Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? And today, guys, we are back for our draft profile series, continuing, of course. We're almost done here, but today we are going to be into one of the more highly touted prospects um, in terms of centers in this draft, maybe only outside of Victor Wimbamiana, and that's going to be Derek Lively the second. I, I guess that's even if you consider Wimbamiana a center, though, which that's more just to each his own in terms of your classification. It's positionless basketball. It's 2023. Uh, but nonetheless, here with Derek Lively, the second, this has obviously been a guy that's uh, been coveted uh, in that 10 to 15 range in the draft. He started off a couple months ago, um, you know, kind of in that 20 to 30 range, a late first rounder. Um, and, you know, especially with the Mavericks need for a center, I, th- I think that that's bullshit his position on a lot of draft boards. Um, I, I, believe that he worked out for the team uh seven foot one 230 pounds um i last time i checked i believe it's like a seven four wingspan seven six wingspan it's not quite as uh long as james Najis or james Najis, who is uh projected at the end of the first round he has a seven seven wingspan uh he's been working out with serge abaca if you guys have seen any of those videos circulating around on the web um but i mean derek lively uh, definitely one of the more uber athletic rim running shot blocking guys in this class probably definitely going to be the first tried and true big men uh, to come off the board has the ability to add the three ball uh, but that's definitely not a finished product uh, but at some point in that in his career that could definitely uh, you know shift uh, his trajectory in terms of his potential um, <clears throat> and just how good he's able to become one day but um, of course with lively you know, there, there are, you know, a plethora of concerns just due to, you know, there being a lot better all around prospects kind of in that tier. But, you know, would the Mavericks drift draft more positionally or, you know, are they going to draft more for the best all around guy? Right. You know, are they, are they going to draft for need or are they going to um, just try and get the best overall talent in, in hopes of maybe swinging it in a trade or, you know, I don't know if that's the new GM and front office's policy is just to to take best available. That's obviously what they did last year uh, by trading up to get Jaden Hardy at pick number seven in the, th- in the uh, second round. But um, of course, you know, that, that won't be the case year to year. It's just, you know, of course, situation dependent. That was a second round, uh, but Derek Lively is second. He obviously um, has been a pretty, you know, highly talked about name. Um, he's been tossed around, uh, quite a bit of draft heads um, in, in terms of his ability to, you know, potentially land in that range that the Mavericks may either be selecting in or trading back in, because I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. Uh, we'll obviously have more podcasts coming about out about this, um, you know, tonight and over the next day or so, but uh, the Mavericks, obviously uh, their, their, their pick is in the hot seat. I, I think that that kind of goes without saying, um, it has been, you know, to an effect since, you know, on draft lottery, we found out that they were going to keep their pick. Um, 
the the possibility of a trade i think was still the overarching uh, more you know promising sort of route uh, to accrue talent at the end of the day uh, but that's not to say that the Mavericks can't draft somebody and still be wildly successful with it, uh, especially if they trade back. And, you know, in this in this instance with Lively, they may have the the luxury to do both. Jaron, before we actually get into the podcast here, um, you know, talk about what it means for the Mavericks um, to have a guy in, in this sort of tentative, maybe like 10 to 17 range uh, that they could, they could still have the flexibility to get if they trade back a little. Yeah, so, you know, uh, with Derek Lively, like he's more of a projected, uh, I would say 15 to 20 is probably his safe zone. Uh, I think he's probably going to go there without a doubt. Um, now, in a lot of mock drafts, a lot of, you know, top name guys have him going number 10. And of course, to Dallas, I think that's a little bit of a stretch personally. And that's why I think the Mavericks are uh, kind of looking to trade back. Uh, if you've seen any sort of trade back scenarios that have popped up over the last few days, it's always, you know, with the number 15 pick more recently with the number 16 pick in the Utah Jazz. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that we could see a lot of different scenarios, uh, where the Mavericks do trade back and likely, uh, do select Derek Lively with either the 15 or, you know, whatever pick they do get as long as he's still available, of course. Um, you know, he's of course going to, I think at day one, uh, a shot blocking ability that nobody on this team has, you know, JaVale McGee, uh, he has all the poise that he's had, um, and his, you know, success throughout his career has, you know, ultimately been either rim running or shot blocking. But with Derek Lively, it's going to automatically come up to he's going to be the best shot blocker on this team. He averaged 2.4 blocks uh, at Duke. And I only think in a 15 minute span, I think he averaged like 15 minutes per game. Uh, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt, too. But, you know, I, I think defensively, he's going to round up a lot of things. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be, of course, adjustments there, you know, on the defensive end, because that is really his sort of upside. Um, but you know, even still, I think his shot blocking alone is going to improve this defense pretty dramatically day one. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I think one of the more intriguing aspects of Derek Lively was the fact that, you know, he didn't play as much as some of these other prospects. Um, you know, his, his per 36 minutes, uh, numbers are, are really off the charts. So, you know, seeing how he would handle, uh, the NBA level where it's, you know, a little more fast paced, um, Probably, you know, I'm sure his defense may get hindered at the next level, um, just as it kind of does with any prospect to an extent. But, you know, just the simple fact that he he hasn't really got the opportunity to, you know, play too many stretches of large amounts of games at Duke um, has me intrigued to see, you know, if we could see his game little maybe be a little bit more curated to, to the NBA game um, that I think features a lot more. Um, you know, sort of five out or or one set, one guy in the paint um, set, you know, compared to college, college basketball, I, I wouldn't say has took as drastic of a modernization as the NBA in recent years. And, uh, you know, it definitely still um, it has become a modernized game. I think basketball has evolved a lot, you know, over the course of the last few years. Um, but it definitely doesn't feature as, you know, as much three point shooting. I, I who knows? I mean, I, the spacing, uh, you know, you know, one center in the painted area in the dunker spot, whatever might honestly be a, a sort of blessing in disguise for Derek lively. Um, there's, there's a lot of intriguing stuff to get into with this guy and we'll be getting into all of it here today. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for podcasters. All right, Jaron. So starting with the defensive side of the ball and just rebounding wise where the Mavericks struggled most prominently uh, really all throughout 
uh, last season, especially after the Kyrie Irving trade, once uh, Dorian Finney-Smith was uh, handed over to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they simply just had a, a clear lack of um, stopgap measures for um, anything on the perimeter as well as everything in the interior. It was uh, definitely one of the uh, sort of sadder defensive ends to a season that I think a lot of us have seen in recent history, um, sort of in, encapsulated by those two Hornets losses at the end of the season that, um, you know, had every everybody splitting hairs. And that's essentially what kind of prompted the tank brigade. And, you know, here we are with the number number 10 pick. How could uh, Derek Lively address some of those, you know, interior defensive woes for the Mavericks? Um, what What is he good at? What is he not uh, from a defensive perspective? Yeah, you know, I think, as I mentioned uh, in the intro, day one, I think he's going to make uh, a clear noise on that sort of shot blocking sort of thing. Um, not just that, but I think he's a good rotational defender. You know, he's a, a really good help side defender. Um, his his speed, I think, is going to be kind of easy to beat at the NBA level, but he has enough size to where, you know, if he, if he does get beat, uh, he can still make a shot really difficult, uh, especially with some of those smaller guards because of his length. He has a seven foot seven wingspan. Um, and you know, for him to do that, I, I think, you know, a lot of his sort of recovery blocks were just off of him getting beat off of either Hezzy's, uh, or just dribble blowbys. Uh, but oftentimes he was able to block those shots because of his length, as I said. Um, and not just that, but he's a, a really good sort of IQ defender, uh, in, in the sense that they are in what a big needs to be. Um, I'm not saying he's going to affect the perimeter as much as like a wing would or anything like that, but I think that he can affect the perimeter in certain ways. Uh, whether it's a pick and roll coverage um, or even just sort of hovering outside a little bit. He's definitely a guy that you stick down low and you stick him on a five and you expect him to pretty much stay there. You don't really expect him to rotate anywhere or make any off ball rotations or anything like that. Um, but he's definitely a guy that's capable of doing that. I think it's something that he'll need to work on throughout probably his whole entire you know rookie year and years up to, into development. Um, but, you know, I think he's a great defender. He has a good base. Um, as I said, you know, a, a really good vertical defender um, and, you know, the pick and roll coverage, I think is something that's a little underrated. Uh, he was able to pick up either the ball handler, um, it, either the ball handler or even, you know, sort of recover, hedge and recover on the big um, and it did a very successful job at that. And, you know, I, I think him switching on the ball handler uh, oftentimes is whenever you saw him get initially beat. And as I said before, a lot of his blocks were recovery blocks. Um, you know, he's a, a very good vertical defender. As I said, he has a very good base, which, you know, is going to help him on that shot blocking. I think the only thing, you know, negative wise that's going to really hurt him is his size. Um, I think, you know, going up against the Jokic's or beads, some of those stronger sort of fives in this league, or even fours for that matter, uh, they're going to easily, you know, kind of bully his way inside or bully their way inside, at least, you know, with Wimbenyama, I'm, I'm trying not to like draw any comparisons here. Uh, but with women, Yama, he's so tall and so long that like he can make those sort of adjustments uh, enough to sort of, you know, I, I guess, alleviate uh, his sort of lack of strength with lively. You know, I think he's just small enough, er, small for seven foot one. Um, he's just small enough that, you know, getting bullied is probably going to be a real factor um, at, at least year one. I, I don't think he can put that much muscle on. I know he's drawn some care comparisons to Tyson Chandler. Uh, and, and, you know, guys like that. But to me, I think Tyson Chandler, at least sort of in his latter years of his career, he was definitely more of a beefier sort of center. I just don't think Derek Lively is that quite yet. Not saying he can't work up into that, um, but at least as of right now, I think that's probably going to be the thing that holds him back the most, especially on the defensive side. Um, and also just sort of his lack of mobility. He's sort of 
not, you know, immobile, but he's sort of clunky, a little slow footed. Uh, the usual kind of big, doesn't know their size yet, sort of center kind of, uh, I guess, problems that they've had. Um, not saying that those aren't things that you can work on because you definitely can. And especially over a rookie season, I, I expect him to work on those things and get a lot better. Uh, but as far as negatives go, I think his size is going to severely sort of hurt him, especially because he'll be a primary target uh, for those Embiid's or for those Jokic's. Um, and sort of just his lack of mobility. I think, you know, if he is going to get switched onto, say, a perimeter guy uh, or even a guy with some ball handling moves, you know, it's going to be very difficult for him to stick one-on-one. Uh, and, you know, at the NBA level, you know, there's going to be a lot more shifty sort of guards. There's going to be, you know, wings, uh, stretch forwards. Like there's all of these different things that at the college level, there just isn't enough of uh, to where you have to get, uh, like sort of scheme for. So, I, you know, I think, it's going to be a sort of a big adjustment for him, but I think his shot blocking and his length uh, will definitely benefit him. And as I said before, you know, day one, this guy's going to come in and I think he's going to make a real difference for the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, it, you know, if the Mavericks were to draft him, he definitely w- would in some capacity, but you know, just in regards to the whole um, athleticism spill that you kind of went on there. I, I don't think that he's a bad athlete by any means, but I, to your point, uh, I do think that, you know, some of you know that that sort of absorption of his size I guess he, he just really hasn't grasped you know he, he's obviously kind of grown into his shoes too fast or whatever and he, he does look a little clunky and his, his agility uh you know has a tendency to you know not be the the best in terms of how reactionary he is and things of that nature and that's something that you know he'll have to get used with with time there's not too many um, you know, highly mobile seven footers for a reason. Um, so if he's able, you know, at seven foot one to to get a little bit more mobile, uh, it, it'll only bolster his ability to guard in the perimeter uh, as well as what he can do offensively. But as of right now, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's it's a huge limiting factor because of, you know, just how big he is and how much, you know, he he, he can jump high for his size. Um, he, he is pretty explosive. Um, he has really hard finishes he has a quick second jump so i mean he has a lot of these intangibles that you look for for in a rim running big um it's just maybe the reaction time the agility things of that nature um just you know being a little bit more savvy from that perspective i think uh could really um you know change how you know his trajectory at the end of the day but in terms of his defense this is uh, still, you know, one of the best rim protectors in the draft, you know, if, you know, only maybe second to win Bamiana, of course. And, you know, he, he does a variety of different things. Good. Right. This is a guy that you can kind of, you know, stick and camp in the dunker spot. And if you need him to rotate over as, as the low man on a, on a weak side, uh, rotation, you know, from when, when somebody gets beat, he's going to be a guy that can come through as a help defender. Um, he's, he's excellent at that. Um, you know, just using his frame, staying vertical, he does a really, uh, good job at staying vertical. And that's something that a lot of rookie centers struggle with now, you know, could he experience woes at the NBA level, uh, when guys have a lot, you know, they have a lot more array of moves to try and get your hands down. You know, he, he could, he could experience, uh, some woes in that department, but I I do think that overall, that's going to be a strong suit for him. Um, you know, if you're playing any sort of, you know, zone scheme, um, he, he, 
you know, while I did talk about his you know, lateral quickness and agility, essentially maybe needing to improve a little bit. Um, you know, he, like I said, he's a decent athlete. So uh, once he, if he's able to react, he'll, he'll get a, he'll get a good read on the ball. Um, and you know, he, he can rotate great positionally. And, um, if somebody's coming downhill at him, you know, regardless of scheme, uh, whether teams are playing man or zone, he's, he's poised to be able to, you know, anchor down and, you know, help somebody coming directly at him. He's not a guy that's going to shy away, um, from contact, at least on defense. And, uh, that's definitely something that's admirable. Um, he is decent in his pick and roll coverage, you know, as Jaron talked about, I do think that that, uh, may be a drawing point at the next level that we're really going to need to put a microscope under because pick and roll defense at the NBA level is just a lot harder. Guys are a lot more poised in terms of knowing the exact right passes to make, knowing their personnel a lot better. Guys been playing a lot longer together in some cases. So that may be a little bit of adjustment because of, you know, the, the slower reaction times um, as, as well as the length that I think a lot of these NBA offenses are, you know, going to, sort of provide to him um, or uh, maybe not provides a good word because they're, they're going to try to establish their dominance on him. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of these guys, you know, for example, like Giannis, for instance, you know, coming down on him in the pick and roll, if, if you're forced to tag him as the roller um, and, you know, you have him in a short roll scenario, um, Derek Lively's not one of, you know, he he's not a Robert Williams yet. He's not earned that that sort of title where, where I just have the utmost confidence that he can at least put up a fight against some of these top tier guys. Um, he, he's going to get up. He's going to have to get a little bit better at, um, you know, specifically uh, in switch scenarios. And, and that's going to be the biggest adjustment. Um, but as well as like tagging the roller, um, especially I think on alley-oops and stuff like that, you know, he could, he could maybe do a little bit better in that regard um, when, when he's defending, of course, uh, but he does have a great wingspan at seven, seven, you know, almost an eight foot standing or pff, I'm tripping almost a nine foot standing reach. Um, and you know, he, he can get out on closeout sometimes. Um, but you know, that switchability of course is going to hinder him in some instances, um, because his immobility, um, you know, is, going to haunt him when he gets blown by, um, you know, at the level of the screen, knowing exactly, you know, should he hedge and recover? Is he, is he going to have the, the wherewithal or, or the ability to even cover that much ground or he, you know, is it a ball handler that he feels confident within himself that, you know, he's going to be able to stick with. And, you know, some of that comes down to coaching, of course, too, in terms of how a team's playing that. But I do think some of, you know, anything essentially dealing, um, with lateral mobility, I do think Derek Lively may have a tough time adjusting to just based on, you know, historical data. Um, a lot of rookie centers having to really master that um, as well as, you know, just kind of how he projected at Duke last year, um, you know, an uber athletic, you know, rim running five, but, you know, in terms of, you know, the sort of slow footedness uh, that that's going to be something that he, he can improve, right? Um, he, he's a pretty decent rebounder, but, you know, we didn't have the most extreme sample size with him only playing about 20 minutes a game to really get a full grasp of that. So at the NBA level, you know, a lot more shots going up, 48-minute um, game compared to 40. You know, you're playing quarters, um, a lot more threes. And that's going to be interesting to see how that translates. I do think he could do a better job at boxing out so much. Um, he does have a sort of over-reliance on his length um, and, his, and his size to box out at the NBA level. 
that may not be as applicable, especially as long and aggressive as guys are. So that's going to be something he he kind of needs to hone in on. But, you know, in terms of Mavericks fans always coveting, um, you know, that sort of rim protector that that we've been looking for, we, you know, Mark Stein acts, you know, just recently, I believe, either on a podcast or within a Substack, said that the Mavericks are looking to completely um, sort of revitalize, reshape their center rotation this offseason. And if you want to get that process sort of segued, uh, selecting Derek Lively in this draft, uh, at least from, you know, a defensive perspective and a rim running perspective, uh, could definitely do that. He's a guy that I think can come in and still provide a decent, you know, that he, he'll have his rookie woes, but he'll, he'll still be, you know, a, a really strong rim protector. Um, he'll be a really good rim runner and it, we'll get into a little more of his offense here in a second, but he'll still be a really good rim runner. Um, he, he could do that if that's what you're looking for as a Mavericks fan, that, that coveted rim protector uh, that honestly we've been looking for, for really years on end, uh, you know, dating back to when Porzingis was on the team and now he's not, he, he ended up not really necessarily being able to do that. So, you know, adding size against some of these bigger NBA centers is definitely going to help like Jaron said, but he, he's definitely not the most frail guy in the world. He's 230. Um, Tyson Chandler coming into the league was a, about 235, 240. So he, he's not too far off. He, he's not like skinny by any means. Oh, bad voice, Craig. He's not skinny by any means, but he definitely could, uh, you know, add a little bit of muscle to counteract some of the, you know, bigger, um, you know, offensive centers in this, uh, in this league because, you know, obviously the most dynamic threat um, from that perspective, you know, like you look at Jokic, who just won the title. Now, you know, there's not a, a lot of these sort of gaudy centers that he's going to have to guard one-on-one, like Embiid or Jokic. He he will be kind of tit-for-tat with a lot of rim runners and shot blockers or guys that are going to, you know, stretch fives, things like that. Um, but, you know, when he does have to face off against some of these all-star centers, um, he, he's really going to have to anchor down and, and put his um, post-defense as well as his lateral quickness on full display um, because – you know, size alone won't be able to just get the job done against them specifically because, you know, contrary to maybe other guys in the league, he's definitely not going to be able to um, use just purely his length and um, his verticality to be able to stop these guys on defense. So, you know, this is obviously a prospect with a lot of questions, um, but he does definitely has some of the most upside because of the intangibles and the size and the length um, compared to any of the guys that we've covered. Uh, he he could be the center of the future for the Mavericks. Um, and, you know, he could even add muscle over the offseason. Like, guys make jumps literally from their, you know, sophomore or freshman year in college just to the NBA over the summer working out. You know, it's a, it's a nonstop sort of rotation, even if we don't see it. So, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly how long he would take to, to fully develop. But, you know, t- if I had to tentatively project, maybe a couple years. But, you know, he, I think he still could help, uh, you know, pretty – I'm pretty confident in the fact that he could still come in and help the Mavericks uh, day one in, in some sort of capacity, probably in a starting role. And even if not that, I think I think he could sort of be vetted up to that throughout the course of the season and then uh, he could continue to improve. So um, this is definitely um, one of the more higher coveted guys that, that we've looked at in terms of my interest in him and the Mavericks interest in selecting him. Jaron, uh, what do you think he could add to the Mavericks from an offensive perspective, um, barring, you know, kind of what we've already talked about? Well, with some of the rim running, you know, he he is a lot more limited, uh, I think, in this capacity, and it's definitely not as good as his defense, um, if that makes any sense. So, what what is he adding to the Mavericks' offenses, uh, to the Mavericks' offense if he if he comes here? 
Yeah, you know, I think his offense, as you said, is much more limited uh, compared to his defense. It's much more of a, you know, if you get it, cool. If you don't, you know, that's all right. Uh, you know, there's three things that I want to highlight more so than anything His dunks. Uh, you know, he's, he's, I think he was 96.7% on his dunk attempts and I know it's like, okay, well he's at the rim. He should make those. I believe a league average is like 91 or 90%, uh, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit higher. Um, or I guess I just said that, but, um, yeah, you know, I think he's a, a pretty solid finisher around the rim. Uh, and not just that, but he has some playmaking upside and also some shooting upside. I know he shot 15.7% from three from Duke, which doesn't sound good. But, you know, I think uh, as the season progressed, he definitely shot a little bit better. I think he worked up to like 32% for the last like eight games or something like that. Uh, and on top of that, you know, he has pretty solid mechanics for a seven footer uh, in terms of shooting. I, You know, there wasn't much of a sample size to go off of. And again, I don't really know if Jason Kidd, assuming we do draft him, is going to want him to sort of stretch the floor. But he does have that ability to either bail out at the end of a shot clock um, or, you know, potentially if you really wanted to, you could probably draw up a play from him in the corner. Again, that's something that I don't think is going to happen day one. This is going to be something that he has to develop over a career. But uh, that and as I said, you know, his playmaking, he's got some pretty solid playmaking upside. Um, he was a, a really solid, you know, not good, not bad uh, sort of offensive rebounder at the college level. I think one of the things that, you know, once we do talk about his improvements was he does pass a little bit too much out of those sort of offensive rebound scenarios. Uh, but also one of the positives is he he finds open shooters on those sort of scenarios. There's always going to be someone around the perimeter that's open and he's always, you know, the guy to find that. Um, and, and, you know, not just that, but he, with his height, uh, you know, he's easily able to find cutters in a post position, uh, backdoor cutters, whoever it may be, uh, you know, he's shown some upside there. Um, you know, he, his rim running, I, you know, don't really know a whole lot about that. I think, you know, for what he's going to be doing at the pro level, I think he's going to for sure, for sure have to develop a rim running sort of ability similar to maybe Jared Allen, cause he's one of the best in the league at that. Uh, but I think he's going to have to have some sort of cognitive ability to, uh, you know, run the pick and roll through a system and, you know, especially in the Mavericks, he's going to have to get used to that and he's going to have to get pretty good at that if he wants to start. Um, so, I, you know, I think offensively, those are the things that, you know, kind of stand out positively, um, you know, sort of a negative improvement sort of area is he's just not really assertive. Uh, his offensive rebound was kind of spotty, you know, it wasn't, you know, too aggressive on that end. He's, he's sort of, you know, kind of, I guess, hones in his aggressiveness on defense. If anything, you know, he's sort of his offensive end is his sort of rest time. His defensive end is where he goes full balls to the wall. That's kind of what we saw throughout his college you know, I think it was 37 games that he played. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that there's definitely some improvements to be made there. Just more of a consistency. Um, you know, if anything needs to develop, probably a mid-range type game. Because again, you know, he is kind of a smaller guy. Not saying he can't develop those muscles. Uh, he's kind of a smaller uh, figure-wise. You know, he's kind of a smaller sort of slower-footed seven-footer. Um, so, you know, I think if he could work on a little bit of a mid-range or at least like a teardrop sort of thing, you know, that would improve his game a lot. Maybe not like rely on that as much as like DeAndre Ayton or anything like that. But I think if he could develop some sort of fadeaway or some sort of mid-range game, that would really benefit uh, his offensive, you know, sort of production. Um, you know, granted, he did score, I think he averaged 5.5 points uh, in a 20-minute span, which is honestly pretty good at the collegiate level. I think if he could, you know, kind of average that 8 to 10 range, that he'd probably be honestly a starter at that level. Um, but yeah, as far as offense goes, you know, it's, it's much more of a raw sort of 
I guess sample size, like there's really not a whole lot to go off of. And that's why I'm kind of like, you know, trying to predict the future almost, but I'm not uh, because, you know, we do have a sample size there in a, in a sense, but, you know, at the pro level, he's going to be asked to be doing, he's going to be asked to do different things. Um, and, you know, those are simple things that we haven't seen enough of, but I think the rim running uh, and for sure the playmaking are going to be something that we have to see probably a little bit more of to get, you know, a full grasp on it. Uh, but I, I, I think, you know, I, from an offensive sort of mind, it does sort of intrigue you. Yeah, no, I mean, he was a pretty dynamic passer out of the short roll, which is really intriguing uh, when, you know, he'd get double in those scenarios. They'd bring a help side defender. Uh, he he uses his frame well to be able to, you know, some swing, some passes uh, the other way. And that's one of the more, you know, very intriguing aspects because you don't see a lot of seven footers that are cognizant enough to be able to do that on a nightly basis. And of course, you know, that swing factor in terms of how good could he get is going to be, you know, the, the playmaking and the short rolls, as well as the three ball, if those things uh, can really come to a premium for him at some point in his career. I mean, this could be, uh, you know, we could be looking at a redraft in a few years and being like, what the heck were we doing here? Right. Uh, for, for some of these NBA teams, but some of the um, mistakes and some of the lapses that he has both offensively and defensively um, are, are just, you know, fairly concerning and, and they're really easy to discern on the court. You know, it doesn't take a genius to, you know, see exactly what he's doing wrong. You know, uh, you know on, the, on a lot of his screens, uh, he doesn't set hard screens. He, he tends to slip too much, um, kind of just will come up to the level of the screen and, you know, give a little uh, half second sort of screen, barely get set and then go. Usually doesn't make contact. Uh, there weren't really even much possessions where he did. So, I mean, that's going to be a huge thing to change because at the NBA level, it's paramount that you can set good screens. Uh, look no further than the Miami Heat's run with Bam Adebayo this past year. Um, I mean, uh, there, there's not much more I need to say. If if you are a, are a basketball head and, you know, you, you watch enough, you know, the Bam's ability to, you know, screen at the nail, um, set screens for shooters, set screens at the point of attack for ball handlers, um, and using that to sort of feed off that and get to the rim, uh, not necessarily even looking for his own offense, but being able to just sort of walk into 18 to 20 points because uh, of his abilities to create space for himself and others with the screens. Uh, this is not a guy that's going to be able to do that um, unless he changes, but I do have faith that he can change. He's he's a big-ass dude, and he's, you know, he, he's going to need to do that throughout the course of his NBA career. He's going to get kicked to the curb at some point, um, you know, if, if the athleticism can't win over. Um, that's just going to be something he's going to need to work on consistently. Um, a lot of this stuff is, you know, just an over-reliance on, oh man, I'm Derek Lively the second time. So big. I have a seven foot seven wingspan. I can block anything. You know, I, I don't need to go all the way out on this closeout. I, I don't need to set screen this hard. That, that sort of over-reliance on his size is something that he, he can't, um, that that's not going to be a, a, a plug and play at the NBA level, right? This is going to be a guy that needs to get the intangibles down. He needs to get that work ethic down. Um, I, I'm not saying he's like a not a hard worker or anything like that. I, I haven't dug deep enough into his time at Duke or, you know, high school or anything like that. Um, but, you know, in high school, he was the number two prospect in the class of 2022. Um, did that maybe have a hindrance to to an, to an extent on uh, how he played at the college level, just given maybe that, you know, he, he viewed himself on a higher echelon, felt like he didn't have to work as hard. I don't know. I mean, that that definitely could be something. But I think that he has some good basketball intangibles and the in the shot and the stuff in the short roll is really intriguing. Um, he needs to add a lot more of an offensive bag. Um, there were a couple times that he was able to kind of seal defenders and, 
you know, kind of like KP used to do, if you guys remember, um, you know, where he, you know, he kind of just rotates over, um, is able to, you know, whether it be just, you know, from a screen um, down low or something like that, he's able to get good position and kind of seal guys off for a dunk. Um, he's really explosive towards the rim, but uh, a lot of the time, you know, if, if it's a post-up scenario, he's not necessarily the guy that you want to throw the ball to on the low block, you know, he, he can be okay and somewhat, um, maybe a little bit more dynamic in the mid post where he's able to kind of see over guys and facilitate a little bit better. Uh, but you know, in the low post, um, this is a guy that he doesn't have much of an offensive bag. He doesn't really have a hook shot to his name. He doesn't, you know, he needs to still work on his drop step, his, his, his sort of array of finishes is finishing through contact, uh, despite how big he is. So, I mean, those are all going to be huge drawing points for his offensive game. He's still extremely raw on that end. Good news for the Mavericks is they really don't need him to do too much of that. Um, if he could set good, you know, if he can just get good rebounds, set good screens, um, you know, play in the dunker spot on offense, rim roll um, when he's asked to, uh, as well as, you know, be able to, you know, be a dynamic rim protector, they're going to be okay. Um, if, if he can just hit on the things and, you know, apply that effort where it's necessary. Uh, once he comes into the league, you know, it's going to be a guy um, that, you know, can plug and play the starting center. But if he even experiences lapses and maybe one or two of these areas where we thought he was going to be strong and in coming into the NBA, um, but is not as good because in college he could kind of get away with not, maybe not setting a screen or he could uh, get away with, uh, you know, making a lackadaisical sort of uh, rotation onto a smaller defender. Um, and, and, you know, didn't close out or whatever, right? The, those things may not be as applicable in college. So that seeing how that all comes together and seeing how, you know, his, his game comes together holistically uh, as well as what he can add is going to be, you know, the big swing factors for this guy. This guy is definitely one of the more volatile prospects uh, that I think we've covered. Um, but, you know, that being said, um, just because of the upside, because of how badly the Mavericks need a rim protector, uh, if he's there at 10, you know, you, you at least definitely have to consider it. And, uh, you know, much less if he's there at 15, once the Mavericks have already traded back, if they wish to do that, or, you know, 16, something like that. Uh, he, he's got to be one of the higher guys on the draft board for the Mavericks, even though I, I definitely would, would probably be a little bit more keen to a lot of other guys' names that we've covered, um, you know, just because of the role that he would have to play on the Mavericks um, and how – drastic of a need that is comparable to some of these other guys um you know i i definitely think that he'd be worth consideration and i'm in the camp that the mavericks need uh, a wide array of sort of wing defenders before they even need a, a rim protector too because i know that that's uh been kind of a talking point between fans i i earnestly think that that's the solution to all of this um the mavericks do need a rim protector or a center um that can you know switch positionally uh, be able to guard out on the perimeter as well as play some good individual one-on-one -on -one defenses on big down bigs down low, you know, kind of like a, a Kavon Looney, like they could either use that or, you know, just a really good tried and true, uh, you know, weak side help protecting rim protector. Right. Um, but are they going to um, be able to get that through free agency or the off season, you know, or trades, right. Are they going to be able to get that or is that outlet, you know, going to be something that, they're only able to accrue from the draft. I think that they have to consider that heavily when, when taking this pick into discussion, right? Because, you know, there, there's not a lot of seven footers um, floating around um, up available for grabs that are going to be able to come in and, 
you know, solve the shot blocking issues, the rebounding issues that, you know, don't, don't have some sort of uh, debate as to, you know, the validity of the player. Uh, there's like a lot of seven footers in this league that, you know, just don't try enough or everybody's always, you know, being, like, Oh, they could do this, this and this better. There's not just a lot of like tried and true good centers uh, in, in today's NBA. So, and, and, you know, when I say true centers, I, I kind of mean guys that play the traditional five um, in, in a sense where they're a rim runner or, you know, they're a pure post and, you know, they're not really shooting much or not outside the painted area. And there's strictly a rim protector on offense, right. Or on defense. Um, and then, you know, Derek Lively, you know, the addition of a three ball is extremely intriguing, but that's probably not going to be a day one plug and play um, on a consistent basis, at least. Um, so, you know, I, I think that he could definitely be a starting caliber five for the Mavericks, but a lot of these swing factors are going to have to go his way. Or, you know, I could maybe see him fizzling out for a little bit until uh, the Mavericks are able to make the right adjustment and, um, you know, vet him up to speed. Uh, but seeing how they treat the big man rotation, um, you know, <laughs> JaVale McGee's mentorship, if he stays in all this, um, I'm sure all those factors, you know, the veteran mentorship, um, you know, working with the coaching staff day in and day out, uh, getting more laterally quick, those those could all be things that could really, you know, bolster this prospect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, uh, I guess, just like a rawness to his character alone, um, you know, going as high as you possibly could. There's a, a very high bust potential. Um, especially for what the Mavericks do need out of him. Uh, but again, you know, the upside is there. I, you know, I think that, um, granted, this is not my comparison, and I don't think that he will ever be at this level, but he has drawn some ESPN com- uh, comparisons to Anthony Davis, and I don't think he has that off- offensive bag, um, but he has drawn those sort of comparisons. So I think, you know, if everything does pan out, um, you know, you could have a, a career half similar to that. Um, but, you know, there it just there's a lot of things that have to hit and I think that he has to be in a great system um that you know sort of doesn't work around him uh but I guess he can work within or he can sort of balance within that system and I think the Mavericks probably have that out of any lottery team I think that they probably have that the most um at least a winning lottery team um so yeah you know I think that there's some upside there as we said and there's definitely some high bust potential I think once we get into that sort of one out of ten uh category that we always get into it's going to kind of be fun it's going to kind of be a good talking point no yeah most most definitely um and in terms of Derek Lively Jaren um you know you kind of already already kind of mentioned his ceiling as a player um I mean yeah I I think this guy's ceiling is through the roof if he could hone in on his offensive bag uh whatsoever if he can you know add a drop step to his game even you know get a consistent three um you know you could be looking at a, a Miles Turner type of guy um, down the road if he was able to add a consistent three. Uh, maybe, you know, the the whole playmaking in the short roll is really intriguing. I don't know exactly how that would pan out for him in the long run if he's able to expand upon that and maybe add a little bit of a a, a, dri- a dribbling aspect to his game. But, um, you know, it, it, it's really volatile. Um, I, I'd say if just everything were to go right and he somehow got better at everything, you know, he could be like Anthony Davis, kind of like those – ESPN uh, tentative, you know, projections kind of listed him as, but um, I, I think that's in the, you know, the 0.01 kind of percent of probability, but uh, could he be a miles Turner if he hit at the end of the day? Uh, absolutely. I would say um, you can go ahead and hash out the floor if you want to, since I did the ceiling. Yeah. You know, I think that a floor, uh, honestly, a good guy, probably Mo Brown. Uh, I mean, someone who 
in and out of rotations, can't really get a fingerprint on the league, um, has potential, you know, always probably has had potential. Um, but again, like I said, just can't find uh, a sort of role within the league is, you know, always sort of that odd man out, um, you know, whether it's with Dallas or LA, whoever it is. Uh, I mean, he's always had that sort of weird kind of, I, I guess, role on that team. So I could definitely see that being Derek Lively's career at the very worst, um, you know, just kind of a bench shot blocker uh, who sort of just fizzles out in a few years. Uh, I mean, a guy who, you know, doesn't really unlock anything other than his shot blocking ability, um, which, you know, it it is scary because that's kind of what we did see in college. Uh, but again, you know, I think he's, he's 19 years old, a, a younger 19 year old guy. Um, I think he'll be like, not even, not even 19 and a half. Uh, I think he'll be like a quarter by the time draft, or I guess in four days. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think there's definitely some upside there with his age and all that. But, you know, I, as I said, at the very worst, I think he's kind of a guy that just can't really find a role within the league. You know, not saying he's going to be outside of the league within two or three years, not saying that. Uh, but, you know, there definitely could be a very realistic possibility that his career is less than, uh, you know, six to five years in the NBA. Yeah, if- this is a guy where his immobility hinders him. He never develops a shot. You know, he doesn't really expand upon his offensive game, you know, and, and, and the rim running isn't as good as we maybe thought because he doesn't set hard enough screens at the NBA level, just has some trouble putting on size. I mean, yeah, he, he could easily fizzle out and be out of the league um, in a handful of years. Right. But it's all going to be dependent on how hard he works on, you know, the small, you know, intricacies of the game that that's going to make or break this guy. And, uh, you know, it's crazy, you know, because he has to work, um, you know, on that. And he has some of the best, you know, physical tools in the draft. You know, if he was any of these other guys with some of, you know, their skill sets, um, you know, that that's when you get number one overall pick type of guys like Victor yeah. Wimbamiana. But that just shows you how rare um, adding those sort of intangibles is at that size. So uh, but this is definitely a pretty impressive prospect, despite all the knocks that we gave him, you know, it just depends on a variety of swing factors uh, that are all going to be conducive to how he's able to improve upon them throughout his NBA career. And he definitely can improve upon them. I'm not trying to negate the fact or trying to downplay his ability to improve. I mean, he's very raw, very, but he has all the athletic tools in the world. Um, Very, I mean, (laughs) very wrong. Oh my goodness. I (laughs) on a tangent with uh, mismatching words right now in syllables, very young and very raw. Um, but if things do come into fruition for him, you know, he could he could be Tyson Chandler for sure. Um, as you know, a lot of Mavericks fans are sort of hoping, you know, after they've seen a lot of those comparisons going on going around online. Um, but yeah. Um now we'll go ahead and denote his uh his boomer bust rating, I guess. This is going to be based out of ten. For those of you guys who haven't listened to one of our draft profiles before, this is essentially um the whole premise of this is that it's based on the prospect's volatility. Um, you know, it, it's not like one side is, oh, on the low end, uh, you know, he's going to boom. So it'd be a one or on the high end, he would bust. It'd be a 10. No, it's like strictly based on like how likely they are to boom or bust like, or, you know, are they more of a safe pick? That's we're, we're essentially rating the volatility of the prospect out of 10, right? For Derek Lively, uh, I would, I'd say he's our first 10, Jaren. Uh, you know, he, I, I don't really have. You know, I feel like this whole last 30 minute tangent that I've been on can uh, essentially be my prerequisite for that, uh, can essentially be my explanation. Um, he could literally, um, you know, be a multiple time all star, uh, one of the best shot blockers in the league, defensive player of the year candidate uh, perpetually, 
or he could fizzle out and and not be anything. But I mean, all the intangibles are there. So that's what I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the 10. Yeah, I was going to go more, you know, probably eight and a half uh, to eight range, just because I I do agree with you. I think he can be at his very best, a multi-time all-star defensive player of the year, you know, leader in shot blocks, all of that. I think he could be that. Um, at the worst, you know, we mentioned it, a guy who fizzled up, fizzles out isn't, you know, in an NBA uniform within, you know, five years or so. Uh, and I think the reason why I'm at eight and a half and not a 10 like you are is because I do think that there is a, a world where he could come off a bench sort of similar to Mitchell Robinson earlier in his career. Uh, even now, I guess, kind of, you know, coming off the bench um, and still produces a lot, you know, within a short minute span. I think that he could potentially do that. Um, and so that's why I kind of sit with the eight and a half sort of eight range. No. Yeah. I, I completely understand your, your take on that. I, me saying that Derek lively, the second could be at, you know, both ends of the totem pole in terms of how, you know, extreme his career ends up projecting is not me saying that that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that that definitely, you know, the trajectory that's on, he, he could go, um, either way, but he could definitely fizzle out and be somewhere in the middle. You know, I, I'm just saying, I do think he has some of the more higher volatility in this draft, but you know, this has been the uh, draft profile for Derek Lively a second. Um, honestly, probably, you know, as much as I uh, knocked him throughout this podcast, uh, probably who died select. Yeah. Um, probably would 10. Be. <laughs> if, you know, if all the original guys are off the board um, and by original guys, I mean, all the, I'm just going to go ahead and list the, uh, the, the top eight, I think the sort of consensus top eight that, I don't think I could pap- pass up on if I'm the Mavericks at 10 unless a really good trade is lined up. And that's going to be uh, obviously Wim Bamiana, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, both of the Thompson twins. Um, I-, I would throw Jarvis Walker in there, Taylor Hendricks, uh, Cam Whitmore, Anthony Black. I think if any of those eight are on the board at 10, uh, you got to at least give it consideration um, or have a really good trade lined up on the tra- uh, on the table. I'd say Derek, Lively is definitely a tier out of that for me, but he's a guy that fits the need the most. And I would, you know, love the selection, especially if they trade back for him, you know, preferably I would hope that they could still get him and trade back for them and get more assets. But I mean, we'll see, but you know, he, he's definitely one of the more coveted guys in this draft for the Mavericks because, you know, he's a rim protector. Yeah. With that being said, we'll go ahead and catch you guys in the next one. Uh, this has been Will with the mainstream mouse podcast. Make sure to get at us on Twitter at mainstream two one four. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube, the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. Comment down below. Where do you think Derek Lively II is going to land on draft night? We're going to be live streaming the draft on YouTube. You know, we'll be live hours before the draft. So make sure to stay tuned for the Mainstream Mouse Podcast on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe to us. We'd really appreciate that. Make sure to get at us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on almost any listening platform. Uh, give us a five star review um you know follow us you know turn on post notifications for our podcast when they come out we would really appreciate that if you guys have listened this far in the podcast and you really do enjoy our stuff um with that being said um this has been will and jaren with the mainstream uh podcast and we will catch you guys uh later tonight we got way more podcasts coming out before the draft